Welcome to the 160th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. One of the major lessons passed on in the Land Stewardship Project's Farm Beginnings classes is that finding consistent, profitable markets is just as important as knowing how to grow a field of greens or a herd of cattle. Well, a group of Farm Beginnings graduates in the Lake Superior region of northwestern Wisconsin have taken that lesson to heart. The Bayfield Regional Food Producers Cooperative was launched in 2009 with the help of local University of Wisconsin Extension educator Jason Fishbach and a grant from the Wisconsin Department of Agriculture's Buy Local, Buy Wisconsin program. Over the years, the cooperative has grown from a handful of area farmers to almost two dozen producers located in the Lake Superior region. The cooperative services around 100 families in the area who have signed up for weekly deliveries of a wide selection of produce, meats, and other items. It also does wholesale deliveries to as far away as Duluth, Minnesota, and sells to local food co-ops, restaurants, and educational institutions like Northland College in Ashland, Wisconsin. The cooperative members not only share warehouse space, but a walk-in cooler, a delivery van, and a website that provides information on what's available, as well as a handy way to place orders. The cooperative uses a hybrid of the popular community-supported agriculture model to get food to consumers. Farmers banding together to collectively get their product to market is nothing new. But in a few short years, the Bayfield Regional Food Producers Cooperative has become a model for striking that fine balance of taking advantage of efficiencies of scale while capitalizing on individual strengths, all the while avoiding the problems that pop up when farmers are competing for a limited market share. The success of the cooperative is particularly exciting for Cree Bradley, who coordinates LSP's Farm Beginnings program in the region. Around half of the members of the cooperative are closely associated, either as students or presenters, with Farm Beginnings, an intensive training initiative that was launched in the late 1990s in southeastern Minnesota and which has been offered in the Lake Superior region in recent years. The cooperative is a good model for beginning farmers who are looking for ways to get their product to market in an efficient and profitable manner, but don't have the resources or inclination to do the marketing and distribution on their own. I recently visited northwestern Wisconsin and spent some time with the farmers and others who are involved with the cooperative. Cree Bradley described to me how, in a way, the farmers involved with the Bayfield Regional Food Producers Cooperative are bringing the so-called middleman back into their direct-to-consumer marketing systems, but they're doing it on their own terms. I think it's really exciting to have uh, the Bayfield Regional Food Producers Cooperative as an example. I think it gives hope to beginning farmers in the sense that a lot of them see that community and see the people involved, and it's something that they want to strive to participate in. And so it gives them hope that once they're at that point, they might be able to have an access point into those markets and be involved in that community. I think it's a community that kind of drives them almost more than the market. That seems like a very cool community to be involved in, and it's really built markets up so that it, it's, a, it's a great thing to be um, connected to. I also think it's a really good example for other Farm Beginnings students who maybe don't live in this region, but see that as, as a model and an example because there's a lot of room for cooperation to happen, whether it's done in this really formalized fashion, like a, a formal cooperative, or whether it's informal. Just um, I think as a community, we need to learn and relearn non-threatening ways of, of cooperating with each other. And when you see shared equipment, shared fridges, shared freezers, um, shared marketing. It's, it's an example that we can all take back to our own regions and, and um, implement in our own ways. And so whether it's that other, 
other areas are looking at building these similar types of cooperatives or they're just saying there's a lot of room for us to cooperate. Um, it gives us hope and it gives us an example to strive for. When the local foods movement and the sustainable ag movement first started getting, kind of taking off, one of the things that was really pushed in workshops and seminars and just in, in advice to farmers was, well, get rid of the middleman. You need to get rid of the middleman because they're taking all the profits out of your operation. And what some farmers seemed to have found out was maybe they, it went a little too far because they, they're getting a little burnout out trying to farm full-time and then deal with the markets. And so this is one aspect, one example of bringing a little bit of the middleman back in but having control of it. I mean, is that something you see, or is that is that kind of what's going on here a little bit, is kind of bringing a little bit, some elements of that back in, but in a way that they have that they have control of the situation a little bit more? Yeah, I think I think it is. It's a really interesting way of thinking about it, but you're right. I mean, they're the ones making the decisions, the end decisions about what that middleman or that organizational structure needs to take to facilitate that work. It's their decision. It's not someone else's decision placing prices and ceilings and quantity demands on them, they're able to make those decisions. Um, and yet at the same time, the function of as a whole is really, um, seems to be working very efficiently for them to get into markets and to um, do more volume, um, which is a good thing for everyone. So I, I do think that there is that room for that middleman in a way that is still empowering the farmers. And um, what I've seen with graduates coming through and moving on past farm beginnings is there is a, an immediate draw to niche marketing and direct marketing um, in terms of that, that return on the dollar. But when it comes right down to it, when we do some of the, the exercises and homework in farm beginnings that really look at marketing strategies and personal personality assessments, a lot of our, our farmers or our individuals, um, marketing is not something that they maybe feel or see as a strength of theirs. And it, it takes a certain skill set, a certain personality to really thrive in that kind of direct marketing, non-middleman system. And so this is a way for people to get involved and not have to be that thoroughly outgoing and um, personality that you really need to do some of that more one-to-one marketing. Next, I talked to John Adams, a Farm Beginnings graduate who raises produce for the cooperative. He sketched out the basic marketing and distribution setup of the cooperative and how it creates strong relationships with its customers. Uh, yeah, we basically operate a multi-farm CSA, which uh, offers meat, fish, uh, eggs, vegetables, all kinds of bread for families that can order online. So the cooperative basically does the marketing, the aggregation, and the delivery for us producers. And there's about 20 members to the cooperative. We offer a full diet share, and it goes year-round. So in the summer, it goes weekly, and in the winter, it goes monthly. But um, So throughout the year, you can order uh, a standard box once a week, or you can order individual items a la carte um, from fruit, meat, vegetables, all online. So it's pretty flexible options or you can do a standard weekly box as well. So go back a little bit on how this cooperative kind of aggregates stuff for you. Then does it, are you guys sharing in the transportation costs? And I mean, what, what are, I'm trying to get at, I guess, more what the advantage is for you 
rather than you just going out on your own. Yeah, there is a membership fee, um, and it varies on your level of participation, um, how new of a producer you are. There is um, a certain level of growing you need to achieve before you become um, accepted into the co-op. So um, the co-op is guaranteed that you'll be able to provide uh, whatever kind of food you say you're going to provide. Some of the services we come together on, I mean, the technical aspect of setting up an online delivery system, which um, is super convenient for a customer, is not something that most farmers have time to do. So this way, all these farms are able to come together and have a website that's maintained and files all these orders into all these different categories that change every week. And then we get a list, and all we need to do do is provide food for that list. And the marketing aspect and that technical aspect is taken care of. Frankly, I think that is every farmer's dream, to take out maybe one of those middlemen in in the in the step process, have something that we can control and something that we created and deliver it right to people. Right now, it's working out great for us. It let us relieve on some of that sales pressure that direct farms have. So maybe the easiest thing is to just grow the produce and sell it right off your farm, but still, you're going to have to service that customer when they come on your farm. Right now, we're able to grow the food, bring it to an ag- aggregation site, and then that's all the responsibility the farmer has for it. Is there is there some is there a bit of competition that can go on between since you guys maybe I don't know how much overlap there is as far as what people raise is is that an issue issue you have to deal with? Not yet. It seems to me growing food locally is just a market that keeps growing and the competition isn't as fierce as in any other market, basically. <laughs> I mean, uh, the local food market grows enough every year that it's able to handle what everybody can produce. It seems like it to me in this area that competition isn't uh, isn't an issue right now. So, for example, we have five or six growers for vegetables in the cooperative, and last year we sold everything we could through the CSA. So, And I think this year is probably going to be the same thing where we're just scrambling to find more vegetables sometimes. So maybe somewhere down the road it's going to get uh, a little thicker and a little more competitive, but I I think all that is going to do is raise the quality of the produce. Um, I have no issues with our quality now, but I don't see where else that's going to go except improve things for for customers. We do parties for with existing customers and they invite people if they think they'll be interested where we put on a dinner and um, hand out brochures. We visited um, a couple of the churches that we drop off at and um, after the service we would sample our food and if people wanted to sign up they could then as well. Sales have been going really well so we haven't had to do a lot of heavy marketing. The easiest way to do it is let the food sell itself, and so far we've been pretty lucky with that. Finally, I sat down with Tom Cogger and his son Matthew. They took Farm Beginnings after Matthew returned from college and showed interest in joining the Cogger operation, which produces pork for the cooperative. Tom started our conversation by talking about how the marketing cooperative plays an important role in their enterprise, 
because it allows he and Matthew to focus on farming. The father-son team also discussed the importance of utilizing sound business principles when operating a marketing cooperative. That's particularly true when the members of the cooperative are neighbors and friends. Yeah, I've never enjoyed marketing, to tell you the truth. Most, very few farmers do, I think, in reality. It's nice to have, I really like working with a lot of other farms, and everybody seems to have the same goal. Uh, I think, I really feel that marketing together with our different products, it helps add value to everybody's product. It's really helped, as far as I know, all the members have been able to expand their operations and become uh, more financially stable, I think. I wonder how you, with a cooperative like this, you mentioned that everybody gets along and it kind of kind of adds value to everybody's products to, to market like this, but how do, do have you guys talked about how to deal with the issue of in the future maybe as the market tightens up, trying to deal with competition? Because there are going to be some, there, I would assume some overlap where some people are raising, you guys are probably okay because you're the only pork producers maybe, but that some of the other products might be overlap and, you know, how do you deal with that? Well, we intentionally have we have it set up so that there's a primary producer and then there's a secondary or tertiary. So the founding members, which we are one of them, they all are declared as primary producers. But then we can only raise so many animals. So if we need more, we can, we've had other people supplement. In fact, there's one of our members, we're buying hogs from him. So he's going to raise them up for us. We're basically contract farming with him and then we'll turn around and sell those we'll mark it up a little bit and we'll make a little on that just to because we can't we only have so much space in our place we can't add more animals but we do want some overlap because if one farm should have problems you want some backup and we got an interesting arrangement here we have a supporting member category where new people that come in they're not they can't vote but we uh, bring them in as a supporting member and they can start marketing through the co-op and it gives us a chance to kind of check them out and see if they're going to work or not. And then they check us out if they want to work with us or not. And then at some point, uh, through recommendation of a voting member, then they can be transitioned into a voting member. And then there would be a vote in the, well, the co-op membership for that. So it's a pretty democratic process. If you were going to give advice to a group of farmers who were looking at starting something like this, any potholes to avoid or pit, pitfalls to avoid or any just any general advice on uh, how to how to get something like this going? Well, it's really essential as you have, uh, if you can, get a bookkeeper from the start, somebody that really knows bookkeeping. We just had it done on a volunteer basis for a while. It's just, it got so complicated. Uh, you have to get to have an accountant involved. Don't try to do this yourself. I think you have to have really well-controlled control of all the financial aspects of the co-op, control of the checkbook, and just so that there's no question about finances or who's spending money on what and that kind of thing. Uh, you got to have bylaws. Uh, it's really essential to have good bylaws. I know when I was on the board, we were always referring back to there, okay, what do we say we're going to do and how do we handle this? We actually did a number of revisions as the co-op developed over time. So you have to really set it up in a very business-like fashion. And that's even scarier because you can become enemies in a hurry if it's all about money. It's It happens all the time. You just got to be really careful. Yeah, I, I think people need to go into this understanding it's a business. I've heard some people say, well, it's a movement and all that. And that's you know, that's a bunch of baloney to me. It, and movements don't make money. You got to cash flow the thing. You know, it's a percentage of people will buy anything, but most people want to get value for their dollar. They want quality products, so I think that's what we have to do. Yeah, and I wonder how that taking that class together, uh, you know, you've got the dynamic of 
the father-son situation and you're trying to be business partners, I mean, did that help to take the class together and to, I don't know, figure out maybe how to troubleshoot that relationship a little bit? I think to some extent, you know, because, you know, we talk about things in the class and I think we work together pretty well. I think it's a kind of, I try to keep it an equal partnership, even though I started it, but, you know, Matt's got a lot of skills that I don't have. He's really very good at, uh, more better at analytical thinking and analyzing things than I am. He, keeps, he does the bookkeeping now. He's very good at that. He's an excellent mechanic. He knows a lot about the horticultural things that I never had that kind of education at all, other than what I just learned on my own. Well, I think the main thing in the class is that you got to be able to make money doing it. That's really what it comes down to at the end of the day is that it has to be financially viable. But you can't wear yourself out doing it, too. So that means taking time off once in a while if you can. But I think that's the main thing I got out of the class is there's plenty of ideas out there and plenty of people with big ideas. But when it comes to farming, you've got you've to pay your bills. So that's kind of how we operate. For more information on LSP's Farm Beginnings program, see www.farmbeginnings.org. More on the Bayfield Regional Food Producers Cooperative is at www.bayfieldproducers.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.